Hello, everyone. I'm Jerry, your host of the Abundantly Curious podcast. This week, we are geeking out on a topic that fascinates me. It has honestly blown my mind. This conversation shifted things for me. The topic is lucid dreaming. I don't know if you've heard about it before or not, but our expert today is going to help us understand what lucid dreaming is, how it is different from our regular dreaming and even vivid dreaming, and all of the many fascinating different ways that you can use lucid dreaming to actually change your waking day-to-day life. Our guest is an expert. She is a researcher and she has a master's of science. It's so fascinating to talk to her. I can't wait to introduce you. Before we dive in, I'd like to welcome you to the Abundantly Curious podcast, where we aim to spark curiosity, ignite inspiration, and open your mind to expand into possibility. Each week, we'll sit down with experts to dive headfirst into the magical, mysterious, and awe-inspiring elements of our world, with a focus on topics found at the intersection of science, spirituality, and self-help. Make sure you never miss an episode by hitting subscribe now and joining our email list at the link in our show description and show notes. Lana Sackwild is a British lucid dreaming and lucid living coach and scientific researcher with a master's of science in consciousness, spirituality, and transpersonal psychology. Lana has been lucid dreaming for more than 25 years and is a pioneer in the lucid dreaming field for mental health research and lucid dreaming for entrepreneurship. Lana, I'm very excited to have you here today. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks so much for inviting me. I'm super excited, too. To kick us off, could you tell us a little bit about your story, your background, and how you got into lucid dreaming? Yeah, so I have been lucid dreaming my whole life, pretty much. I had my first lucid dream when I was four years old, and that came about through childhood nightmares, I guess. I was having a ton of really strange nightmares at a young age and kind of just got sick of them. And so one night, I remember just thinking to myself before bed, like, okay, the next time that I'm in a nightmare situation, I'm going to change the dream. I'm just going to alter it. And as a kid, I didn't really know that that was something you couldn't do, I guess. So that night when I had a nightmare, I worked on altering the dream and was able to change some of the characters into cartoons and we were in this scary forest and I made it all cartoon I could make them bigger and smaller and do different stuff and I was like oh this is awesome this is the best outcome for a nightmare you know at the time I didn't know that that was lucid dreaming obviously but after that I continued working on my dreams in that way and then it was really only when I got to high school and I was super into dreams and I tell my classmates about the dreams I was having that they were like yeah we don't do that stuff in our dreams and I was like okay I'm doing something kind of different and then I think when I was about 14 or 15 I stumbled across the term lucid dreaming was like oh that's the thing that I do so have been doing it for forever, but um, professionally 
only for the past couple of years. So when you were younger, when you don't know that something isn't supposed to be possible, your mind is suddenly much more open to possibility. And not only did you lucid dream, but you thought everyone was doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, obviously everyone would be doing this. Like who wants to deal with nightmares like night after night after night or that kind of thing or any time in my childhood that I had a problem, I would use my dreams as that bonus virtual reality space. You know, I used it for spelling tests at school and practicing all my spellings. And I used it for learning to ride my bike without stabilizers and just whatever I was coming across that would be a great thing to, to practice or to work on. I was using it there and, and no one had told me oh, that's a really difficult thing to do or you can't do that in your dreams. So it just made sense to do that. How would people know if they're lucid dreaming and what is the difference between a normal dream and a lucid dream? Yeah, that's a great question. I think a lot of people get confused with lucid dreaming and vivid dreaming. So vivid dreams are where you wake up and everything's crystal clear. You have a really good memory of your dream that's like just really, really like HD. Whereas lucid dreaming is where you're actually conscious that you're dreaming inside the dream. So for some people that might be like a two second thing where they're talking to their deceased grandma or something. They're like, oh, wait, grandma passed away. I'm dreaming right now. And then they just continue with the dream or at a much higher level of lucid dreaming is where you get conscious that you're dreaming and then you actually decide to either consciously observe what's happening in the dream to learn more about yourself or you actually alter the dream. Like you have a particular task that you want to work on and then play that out, whether it's just like flying around, doing some fun stuff, eating cake or whatever it is, or something more in depth for your own personal spiritual development, that kind of thing. So so that's the difference. It's like actually being conscious that you are 100% dreaming your inside a dream. And what is that experience like? It feels like you're in a different world altogether, but I've never experienced it. So could you share what is it like to be in that? Yeah, um, people say that I, I reckon most of my students will say that everything's kind of heightened. So colors seem a little bit brighter. Everything seems a little bit sharper. If you're someone who needs to wear glasses, you don't have any of those kind of waking state barriers. You might have perfect eyesight or it might feel like you're wearing an amazing pair of glasses. But really, it just looks exactly like it does now. So this experience, whether you're watching on your phone or your laptop, and it just looks exactly as you would see everything right now. So just looking at the room around you, like you could be dreaming or the same as when you're in your regular dream and you're so in it and you're immersed in it, even if you're having tea with the queen or riding <laughs> on a dragon through space or whatever, like it feels real. You're not questioning it. You're like, oh, this is really happening. So it does just feel like it's real life. It sounds like the world's most amazing playground to be in there. Yeah. Yes. That is a great description. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely is. And especially 
you know, I think it is great for play. It's great for people who maybe don't have so much flexibility in the waking state to play. If you're someone who's grinding it, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and they're building their business and they don't have a lot of time off and they're pushing hard. And so to be able to have eight hours and be like, I'm just going to be on the beach in Hawaii, free vacation, swim through the ocean, lay in the sunshine, that kind of thing. It's great for play, relaxation, catching a break, that kind of thing as well. I'm so giddy with excitement over here because I'm one of those people that thinks that there's not enough time in the day to do all that you want to fit in. And what I'm hearing here is you can still do an experience while you're asleep if you can tap into the state. How fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it saves you, you know, you spend about a third of your life sleeping. And I think for all of us who especially are, you know, people like yourself, passionate, driven people that want more hours in the day to speak to awesome people and do awesome things, it's 30% extra conscious time that you get to live with purpose and do whatever you want to do, whether it's skill enhancement or relaxing or creative breakthroughs. So it's really just extra time that you can spend consciously on whatever you choose. I want to explore more of the use cases in a moment because it sounds like there are many. But first, I'm so curious, what is happening on the back end, for lack of a better term? Is this a spiritual state, a different dimension, uh, something chemical happening in your brain? What is causing this experience? The more I've moved into dream work and tried to research, what is it? Why does it happen? What's even going on? I think just the more questions I have about the practice in general. And I think it's really what you make of it. For a large part of it, the science behind dream work even is, you know, we all need to dream. A lot of our dreams are our processes. So if you keep a dream journal, you'll see things come up that link way back to your childhood, things that come up connected to your future, your ambitions, anxieties, fears. Dreams are often things that are tied into just like what we did that day as well. So it's like this culmination of past, present, future experiences. But then at the same time, I'm sure you've had some of these experiences as well where your dreams can just seem like a totally different timeline. And you could be an Asian 80-year-old man living in China suddenly or looking through the eyes of a 40-year-old Russian woman at a market or something. And there's just all these weird different connections that happen. If you want to think of it as a spiritual practice, a place to connect with God, to connect to source, to really understand yourself and human consciousness and expand in that way, then that's awesome. I think for me, the students I work with, they have dreams and then they wake up and they let them transform their waking life, but I'm well aware that there's millions of people that have these profound dreams and wake up and they're like, eh, just a dream. Don't worry about it. Don't think about it. So I think it really is whatever you want to make of it. If you want to decide that it's a deeply profound spiritual experience and that you're connected to the collective consciousness, then that's awesome. And you should absolutely do that. But 
I think it's each to their own kind of thing. Yeah, it almost reminds me of the intentionality around it, right? Because you hear of people uh, using plant medicine, but some of them use it as party drugs versus ceremonial, shaman-led journeys within. And whatever intention you have, however you interact with something, the same thing might be happening, but you're getting a totally different result. Yeah, that's such a good example. And I think, you know, there's there's scientists who are like, well, dreams are all just your neurons moving around and they don't mean anything. And it's like, yes, at one level, that is what's happening. But I think for me, it's like, it is what you make of it. If you want to use your dreams for guidance and personal transformation, you can. And if you want to think that it's just this random little movie you get each night that you can do nothing with, then you can do that as well. But since we spend such a long time dreaming, I think it's great for people to actually use the information. There's so much in there that we can explore. It makes total sense to me that we don't yet, through the lens of science, understand what lucid dreaming is because it sounds to me like we're just starting to understand dreams and consciousness. And I know that you yourself have done some research in this area. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I had a pretty rough upbringing. And for me, my dreams were this amazing space that I got to go to. And especially when I was lucid, I wasn't bound by the same restrictions as I had in my waking life. It didn't matter what age I was, where I was location-wise. I could do anything I wanted. So growing up and going through your 20s, a lot of us experienced depression and anxiety. So I really wanted to look into how lucid dreaming could work for them. Because for me, I was someone that didn't want to be stuck on antidepressants, didn't want to be taking meds. A lot of days it was hard enough to remember to go to a therapy appointment and then you needed to be in the mood to talk about the stuff you needed to talk about. And it was just not a good process for me. So uh, I wanted to do research on what it was like for someone who has depression or mental health issues. A lot of people in that space spend a lot of time sleeping. So I was like, well, naturally, if this worked really well for me, maybe it would work really well for other people too. So I conducted research for my master's of science on lucid dreaming and the healing and transformations for treating clinical depression. I worked with hundreds of people all over the world from all different backgrounds and cultures. And it was amazing to see just how many people benefited from the practice or would seemingly naturally have more lucid dreams, the more depressed they were, the more anxious they were. And it seemed to kind of be people who were really questioning life and the world and their purpose and what they were doing would have higher lucid dream frequency. People who had nightmares would have higher lucid dream frequency. Um, And I was mind blown to discover that there was no research on this, on how to use lucid dreaming for depression. So my paper was first in the world to be published on how to use it for treating depression. And so, yeah, uh, this is like very, very baby level in research. We need 
so much more, but it's awesome to see more people getting interested in the practice and movies mentioning it and stuff like that. So it's getting more widespread. And of course, thanks to people like yourself who are interested in talking to uh, weirdos like me who are into this. So I appreciate that. At our most authentic level, we're all weirdos trying to figure it out. I love it so much. I just want to congratulate you on going out there and doing research that other people weren't willing to do. And it begs the question, what is lucid dreaming treated like in the scientific community? How have you seen it being treated? Yeah, that's a great question. And thank you so much. I guess it's it's treated differently depending on the community. So, you know, the, the master's program that I did was about consciousness, spirituality, transpersonal psychology. It had a program specifically on lucid dreaming. And so it was thought of as one modality that can give us an insight into the psyche and how we work and very well respected. I think, you know, it's thought of as dream dream work being a kind of birthright. We all dream across many cultures. And so it's this really interesting topic where everyone dreams and you can see different cultural processes and the psychology of so many different people through their dreams, things that cross between people all over the world. There's dreams that people have about their teeth falling out or being back at high school or getting up late in these like typical processes that many of us have. So in one sense, it's looked at very fondly and that there's so much more work to be done in the field. And then in the other sense, I think there's a lot of skeptics. There's a lot of people that just don't even really believe lucid dreaming is a thing or that it's real, that you can consciously wake up inside your dream and change the narrative. There was some scientific research done in the mid 70s where they used eye oscillation. So whilst one person was asleep, when they got lucid in their dream, they would look left to right because when we're in REM sleep, our eyes still move around. If you've ever seen someone sleeping, you can see them mid dream. So you can move your eyes left to right and that would show up on the EEG. And that was the first scientific confirmation. They're lucid dreaming, they're doing the eye signals. So it was validated by science, but then not much has been done since that time in terms of using this as an actual medical practice or using this to really help people who are, yeah, needing help with mental health and don't want to just go on meds or maybe traditional therapies not working as well for them. So I think it's still got a long way to go in the science realms. You know, it's been validated by science. We can prove that people lucid dream. There was an article by Vice recently that looked at communication between the dreamer and someone in the waking state. So they'd have a researcher ask them a question like, what's two plus two? And then they'd move their eyes four times. So there's some cool stuff happening, but that's where it's at. And for me, the the science is sort of the icing on the cake, right? Because we want to demystify the mystical as much as we can mm -hmm. with science and research. But 
our opinion here isn't that science is a validator of reality, the lived experiences. And so research is progressing, but there is this lived experience, your experience, your clients' experiences. Can you tell us more about the fascinating things that have happened in your lucid dreaming world? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It is about the lived experience. And I think it's always the science catching up to that. I I truly believe that it will catch up, especially with so many people tuning into this stuff and having their own experiences. For me, the best testimony is honestly my business. In 2020 or 2019, after I'd published my research and worked with hundreds of different people, I got a ton of messages from a lot of the participants in the study being like, do you coach on this? Do you do this? How do I use it? How do I continue using it? One of the main things that came up in the research was that people have these lucid dream experiences. They have these incredible breakthroughs and they want to share it with other people, right? Like when we experience a transformation ourselves, we want to share it and help other people as well. So that led me to start up my business. And I was just doing one-on-one coaching with people, really helping them get different techniques that would help them have lucid dreams and coming up with different tasks that they could work on to have these breakthrough experiences. And I'd set up a ton of retreats to do throughout the year in 2020 when, of course, the, the pandemic hit and you weren't allowed to do anything in person. So Suddenly, I was left with all my retreats being canceled, um, like 90% of my one-on-one students being like, I don't know if I can go to work. Like, I don't know if I even have a job right now. I've got no money coming in. And so very suddenly, my business dwindled into this tiny thing. And so I was like, I need to do what I do best, which is lucid dreaming. And so that night, I induced a lucid dream. And my task was to set out and discover, like, what should I do? You know, what direction do I need to go in? And I had this epic lucid dream where I was at this, it was like a last supper type table. There was a ton of my current students there. And the reason I got lucid was because I was at this amazing dinner table. And I was talking to one of my students at that time, and she was telling me about this amazing breakthrough that she had had in her business, in her life. And I was like, that hasn't happened yet. And so that clicked for me. I realized that it was an elusive dream. And we were at this kind of beachfront. So I went outside. I went and stood looking out the ocean. It was as real as anything. You know, I could like smell the ocean. It had the wind blowing through my hair. And I was standing there and I asked to be shown. I was like, show me what I need to see. Show me what direction I need to take next in my business. And suddenly I had this massive download come through that the best way I can describe it is it kind of looked like, you know, those picture books that you like flip through and they show you a different thing moving on each page. It kind of makes an animated story. Yeah. It looked like that. And I was seeing all the modules that I had in my online course and like different techniques for lucid dreaming and all these different parts of what became my online course. And so I woke up and was like, I need to make this. I need to actually do this. And I 
turned my dining room into what looked like a crime scene. My husband was like, what are you doing? <laughs> I just had post-it notes everywhere and all these ideas, but I just saw all these different ideas for different videos I could use or techniques I could create to share with people online um, and just had this fire and passion from that lucid dream that I was like, I need to actually create this. I need to bring this to life. And that then became the Lucid Entrepreneur Lab, which took my business to a, to a six-figure business that year. And it just all came out of that one single lucid dream where the night before I was like, I have no business. I have no idea what I'm doing with my life. And then that single dream, I woke up with all the inspiration, the idea. Um, and it was like reverse engineering because I'd seen it. I saw what needed to be included in it. So rather than it being this vague idea, I was trying to write down everything so fast from the dream because it like was laid out for me right in front of my eyes, so to speak. That is so magical. And it is the first time that I've heard of that happening in a lucid dream or in a dream state. And I personally experienced kind of like a download or like a big rush of creativity and inspiration where something is delivered as a package. And it's it's important for people to understand you don't have to struggle in logically creating everything, whether it's some untapped yeah. part of your brain or coming from somewhere else outside of you. Like there are other ways to access creativity and inspiration. And one thing I've noticed is that whenever you have space to allow that in is when it arrives. What do you think it is about the lucid dreaming state that maybe creates a little bit more space for that? Yeah. Um, I completely agree. And I think that's where, you know, the term sleep on it comes from, right? Like when we have a problem or when we're like, I need to make this decision, but I don't have total clarity, we're told to, to sleep on it. And I think it's because when we're asleep, we're able to access this altered state of consciousness. You don't have TV commercials coming in. You're not getting text messages. You're not having to deal with the kids or the laundry or whatever it is, like the day-to-day -day stuff, the noise, and you're able to just sleep and just process. And so I think that's one level of why we can problem solve really well in dreams or we wake up with new solutions to things. And then I guess the, the science side of it is that when we're lucid dreaming, our brain is literally making new neural connections. So parts of our brain are turned on in a lucid dream that are not turned on whilst we're awake. And so similar to when you take psychedelics and there's different parts of your brain communicating that don't usually communicate, that's what's happening in a lucid dream as well. Different parts of your brain are in communication. And so you are in an altered state. You are actually making different neural connections are being formed that wouldn't have if you were not lucid dreaming. And I think that's why we're able to see from an altered perspective or see things from a different angle and come up with those creative solutions. Or, you know, a lot of people talk about dream work where we are tapping into unconscious or subconscious thought processes and bringing them into the conscious. And that's where ideas come together or things are created in that way. Yeah. Mm. 
We had someone else on the show, a hypnotist, Nicole Hernandez. And the more I listen to her and the more I listen to you, I'm feeling like we're living just on the surface of life. And we have all these other types of consciousness or states that are accessible to us that it almost feels like we forgot. She mentioned the story of sleep temples, uh, I think, in ancient Egypt and the story of how they would come and they would be given an intention and then they would sleep on it, as you said, and gain insight. And for us, we just go to sleep and then we drool on ourselves and we wake up. But what if there's there's so much more to it than that? What are some of the use cases? How can you leverage lucid dreaming for your waking life? Yeah. I think in so many ways, and and that's partially why I term myself as a lucid dreaming and lucid living coach, because really it's about the lucid living. You can go to sleep and have these amazing breakthroughs, whether it's for your own self-development and really doing that kind of shadow work and looking at what are the things, the fears that show up in my dreams or blockages or things that I don't feel good about dealing with in waking life, you know? So one example is like, say you're, you want to start doing videos or podcast and you've never done it before. And then to just go on Facebook live or something and be like, here I am is like really intimidating. Whereas in your dream, in your lucid dream, you could rehearse that scenario again and again and again. And so when you've practiced something, you know, 10 times and then wake up being like, oh, okay, this is the best way to say it. This is the way I want to stand. This is the way I want to look. This is how it's received. You gain a lot of confidence. Confidence comes from practice, right? No one's confident doing something the first time, but maybe you don't have time to sit and repeat going through a podcast 10 hundred times during the day. So to do that at night would maybe be a really big breakthrough in terms of confidence, self-development. And then in the same way, you know, creative breakthroughs, like if you're an artist, if you're a musician, if you're writing a book, getting lucid in your dream and being like, okay, what's the next title of my chapter called? What do I want to include in this next chapter and opening up a book, seeing what it says or holding an art canvas and flipping it over and seeing what your next painting is. A lot of the students I work with who are creative people, they have a lot of dreams where they come up with music and ideas and songs. And oftentimes it's quite funny because they're like, oh, in my dream, this other guy had this really incredible painting. And I was so jealous that I wanted a painting like that. And then they wake up and they're like, oh, that was my painting. You know, I dreamt that. And then they have this amazing painting to work from. So self-development, expansion, skill enhancement, and then obviously spiritual practices are a big one for people who maybe don't have the time or the space or the energy to do things like deep meditation or connecting to spirit, spirit guides, all of that kind of thing seems much more accessible in the lucid dream state as well. But really, I think the possibilities are limitless is whatever you want to use it for. It's kind of like your own virtual reality within your mind, so to speak. So I think you can use it for whatever you want. But but going back to my main point, 
is the, in- the integration part because you can have all these amazing ideas and breakthroughs in your dream. But if you're then just waking up and living a totally different life and not fully integrating the practice, not living lucidly as well, then it does kind of stay as just a dream. So I think a really big part of that secret sauce is integrating it and kind of taking the the wisdom and the gold and the magic and bringing it back into the waking state and leveling up in both areas of your dream life and your waking life as well. Mm. That's a very clear example of how learning without integration is basically entertainment. And in this case, it purely is. You wake up and you're like, what a beautiful dream. Okay. (laughs) Going on about my day when it can actually be super intentional. There's something that comes to mind that I wonder if you've gotten asked about before, which is that movie Inception. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, so is there ever the possibility of being in a lucid dream, but not quite realizing it? And I'm going to further complicate this question, my apologies, by the fact that I get either, I don't remember if it's hypnopopic or hypnagogic hallucinations, where in the mornings I will get trapped in my sleep and can't move, but I know I'm asleep, but then I'll dream that I'm trying to wake up and then I'm waking up, but I actually haven't woken up, but I'm in the exact position of where I am. Yeah. Anything you have to say about that, please, please share. (laughs) Yeah. So there's a couple of different things. So one state is sleep paralysis, which is like a totally normal phase that we go through, like you were saying, in the hypnagogic and the hypnopompic states where you're either falling asleep and so your body goes into paralysis so that you're not acting out your dreams but some of us can get lucid in that state where we wake up like our mind wakes up but our body is asleep and so it can be really scary as you can feel like you're paralyzed or you can also be kind of half in the dream state so different things can be going on in the room you might have auditory or visual hallucinations going on Um, So that's what sleep paralysis is. One great part about that is it's amazing for inducing a lucid dream, right? Like if you know what it is, then you can just, you recognize like, oh, I'm about to enter a lucid dream. And then if you focus on something like I'm standing by the door, I'm standing by the door, I'm on a beach in Hawaii, your dream narrative will shift and you'll find yourself in your next dream scenario. But I think what you're explaining is what we call false awakenings, where you're like waking up in the morning and you think you're awake and you're in your room, but you're actually in another dream. Yes. Right. So if they happen again and again, those are called nested dreams, kind of goes into an inception, like you were saying. But those are also amazing opportunities for lucid dreaming. It's really common, actually, that when you've just had a lucid dream, when it ends, that you'll have a false awakening. And so the best solution to that is doing something specific every single time you wake up to check if you're dreaming or not. One really simple example is a reality check that's called a a nose pinch. So if you like pinch your nose and try to breathe through it, obviously you can't because you're your nostrils are blocked, right? But if you're dreaming, you're not actually pinching your nose, right? It's your your dream body. So you'll be able to breathe like normal. So that's just like one really easy task. Like every time you wake up, if you took 
two seconds to just check if you can breathe through your nose when you're pinching it. And if you can, you're in dream. If you can't, you're awake. But that that's one really easy way that you did that every morning. Every time you have a false awakening, you would know immediately like, my God, I'm breathing, even though I'm blocking my nose, I'm dreaming right now. And then you get to enter into your lucid dream rather than getting trapped in that cycle and getting ready for work like 20 times in a row or whatever. That is the most helpful advice ever <laughs> because I'm experiencing sort of both at once, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think I'm awake, but I'm actually still in my sleep. And so I'm excited to hear, yeah. A, there's a way to make sure I'm a- awake and B, that I'm actually on the brink of the ability to create a lucid dream. So instead of doing what I currently do, which is absolutely freak out and try to scream and move my arm and try to make my paralysis stop, I could actually be like, okay, we're going to go somewhere nice now and experience yes. it totally yes. differently. Yes. Yeah. And I guess if you're in sleep paralysis and you can't move your hands, um, it's kind of like an energetic shifting. So usually what we find is you can kind of wiggle your toes or you might be able to move the extremities of your fingers a little bit. You can move your eyes, like I was saying, you can control your breathing. So it's kind of like wriggling around a little bit. And then you'll find that more and more you're able to start moving in your dream. And what I do is if I have sleep paralysis, I'm like in my bedroom, in my bed, I'll focus my energy on rolling out of bed, but know that you're in sleep paralysis. It's like you kind of just like pop out in the dream space. Or like I said, yeah, just close your eyes, breathe. I'm in Hawaii. I'm in Hawaii. And then when you open up your eyes, you'll be standing on the beach in Hawaii. So I'm excited for you. It sounds like you can have an awesome next plan for your weird sleep paralysis experience. My whole life has just changed because now I know I don't have to be (laughs) stuck in these horrible dreams. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Well, with your experience, and I guess also with your clients' experiences, if you feel like you can share anonymously, what are some of the wildest, most fascinating lucid dreaming experiences and then lucid living that you've seen? Mm-hmm. There's so many. Um, and it's always hard to pick because different people think different aspects of the work are, are interesting. I think for me, some of the experiences I personally find the most interesting are where people are actually having breakthroughs in their waking life. So things like um, pets or relatives who pass away and then having visitation dreams. So having lucid dreams where you get lucid because your pet's then in your dream or the person who passed away is in your dream and being able to get that closure um, or really have those kind of go through the the grieving process, so to speak, in your lucid dream. Had a lot of clients who, you know, someone passes away and they feel like they didn't get to say goodbye. Or if they passed suddenly, you can have a lot of stress in the waking state. Like, oh my God, I'm never going to be able to contact them again. Or I wish I said this, or I wish I'd seen them. Um, and that can cause a lot of of grief. So being able to get lucid and actually realize that you can still have that connection with the deceased or have those last conversations or still feel like you 
have that connection. I think that is one of the biggest things that transforms people in terms of the potential with this work and how there's so much we can do in the dream space that we can't necessarily do in our waking life, but you can also receive information. I've had clients who have spoken with someone who's passed away and received information about the family or a message that they want to tell someone else that's then really healing for them. I don't want to go too personal because I don't have permission to share, but I've had those experiences myself as well. Like when my Nana passed, um, she gave me a message for my dad. And when I shared it with my dad the next day, he just cried because he was like, I know that she's okay and that she's not in pain anymore. And, and that kind of thing was huge closure for us as a family. And so I think for me, that's just a really cool experience, but also one of those things that completely changed my outlook on life and death and the afterlife. I don't really know what to, to think anymore in terms of that, but I think death was something I was really scared of and now not so much. I don't feel that way. I feel like we get to even deepen relationships with the deceased and, and that there's so much more that we can tune into with lucid dreaming. It's like you get to tune into different channels or different alternate realities and that kind of thing. So I think for me, some of those experiences that my clients have shared where it's just like really been a huge shift for them in the in the waking state, those are really noticeable. Some of the other ones like that are where people are using it to get off drugs. Um, I did that myself as well, like totally drug-free, alcohol-free. Those are huge triggers for me in the dream space now where if I have a glass of wine in my hand or if I'm smoking weed or something like that, like I know that I'm dreaming immediately. But triggers that come up from the past and people using the lucid dream space to uh, overcome drug addiction, alcohol addiction, other bad habits and things that like completely change the trajectory of their life in the waking state. And they wake up with so much more joy and happiness and motivation and just live. Yeah, it's literally you watch their life go from being on one path and just taking a total 90 degree turn into a different direction. So I think for me, those are some of the most like profound, powerful lucid dreaming experiences. Isn't it wild to think all of this exists in our minds and we just aren't quite sure how to tap into it? I mean, if someone's at home and they want to start having lucid dreams or tapping into this world, what would you recommend they do? Yeah. I mean, it blows my mind every day that this is not front page news. You know, I'm like, we need to get this out there. But yeah, anyone can lucid dream. I think the, the easiest way to start tapping into the practice is starting a dream journal, really looking at even for just a couple of days or a week, like what do I usually dream about? Who are the people that usually show up in my dreams? What are the places? that I usually find myself in, what are the emotions that come up in my dream space and really identifying um, 
like what are the common themes and patterns in that time of their life. And then after doing that, you can come up with different lucidity triggers to work off that. So for example, if you're someone who's like, oh, this week cats showed up in my dreams five out of seven times, then you know if every time I see a cat in my waking life or in my dream and I set like that kind of mental reminder to every time I see a cat to ask myself like, where am I right now? Who am I with? Is there anything like weird going on? Could I be dreaming and going through these kinds of patterns? Then every time a cat comes into your dream, you have the opportunity to enter into a lucid dream. So it's a really simple example, but hopefully it makes sense of how you can start getting into it. Okay. So step one is almost like know that you're in a dream and then you can go from there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, And we see there's a ton of different techniques. For me, it's really about personalization and looking at each person and what is almost naturally trying to wake them up in their dreams. So that's why I recommend getting started with the dream journal so that you can actually see like, oh, how come nine out of 10 of my dreams are like back at high school? What does that really mean for me? Mm-hmm. Or think places that you wouldn't usually be in or people who you wouldn't usually be talking to or emotions that are really different to your waking life. And so you can start spotting the things that should be obvious to you that you're dreaming kind of naturally already. Like, oh yeah, I'm 33. I'm not in high school anymore. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So it's like looking at what should be those points of awareness. Be like, oh, I'm obviously not back in high school or my brother's not five years old anymore, whatever it is. Mm. And is there a trick to then staying in the dream versus waking up once you realize it? Yeah, there's lots of different stabilization techniques. I think some of the most simple ones are controlling your your breathing and actually going around the space that you're in. So a lot of people get lucid and then they get like super excited and they're like, oh my God, it's happening. And they wake themselves up. So, you know, just taking a couple of deep grounding breaths upon entering the dream and recalling like the task you want to do, having something prepped for yourself in mind of like, okay, the next time I'm lucid dreaming, I want to do this so that your mind's set on a task that you want to do. Or if you don't want to mess with the actual dream, like if you're set on speaking to a dream character or just observing what's happening and and walking around or whatever it is, then you get in that more grounded, calm state where you're going about your lucid dream task rather than kind of just like getting super excited and waking up or being really excited that you're lucid dreaming and then just spending the whole time being like, what do I do now? Because <laughs> it's surprising how you're you're in there and it's happening. I speak to a ton of people who are like, it happened, but then I couldn't think of what should I do, you know? So having something prepped in mind that you're excited to try, whether it's something really simple, like talking to a dream character or something like really much more advanced, whatever it is, knowing what that task is, I think helps prolong the dreaming process as well. Mm. 
there's clearly so much to this. How do you support people on this journey and how could people work with you on this? Yeah, there is definitely a lot. The way that I work with most people is through a an online course I run called the Lucid Entrepreneur Lab. You don't have to be an entrepreneur to be part of it. I see lucid entrepreneurship as anyone who wants to bring something new into creation, whether that's career-based or relationship-based, self-development, spirituality, whatever area of life it is or all of the above. But in that course, I teach people right from the ground up with building dream recall, how to work with your dream journal, how to induce lucid dreams. Um, And then we go through an entire course of different tasks that you can try, different things to work on for each of those areas from self-development all the way to like really out there spiritual practices. So if that's something that people tuning in feel interested in, I would love to connect with them and help get them started on this journey themselves. And where can people find you and follow you? I'm Lana Sackwild, my name on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. My website is lanasackwild.com. So any of those places or via email, admin at lanasackwild.com. Great. And I ask this question every show. If you could leave our listeners with just one message, what would it be? The most obvious message is to wake up and and get lucid both in your dreams and in the waking state to not miss out on all the the gold and the wisdom and the magic that is within your dreaming practice every night. So that Mm. would be my Wake up in sleep and in life. (laughs) (laughs) Wake up and go to sleep. (laughs) I love it. Thank you so much, Lana. This has been absolutely fascinating. I feel like I could ask you three more hours of questions, but thank you so much for being here. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to be kept in the loop on new episodes like it, follow us on Instagram at Abundantly Curious or join the email list at the link in our show description and show notes. And if you've got extra love to give, which we always welcome, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. And remember, when we open our minds, we open to new possibilities.